Welcome to episode 115 of The Real Photo Show. My guest today is Ross Kasovitz. And that name might sound familiar to you because he is the son of Peter Kasovitz, who is the co-founder of K&M Camera in New York City, which just reopened its doors uh, from the shutdown. And of course, like many other businesses, is trying to get everything up and running again. Peter Kasovitz was a guest on the show back on episode 67, and he mentions how Ross had taken over the business and transformed it to better reflect the needs of the industry and the digital photo industry. So I thought this would be a good time to talk to Ross about taking over the business and, of course, reopening the business now. And also to help promote K&M Camera, as you may have heard in episode 67 or just may have heard me speak about K&M in the past... They have been such great supporters to some of the best-known photographers in the art world and also to students, including me when I was an undergrad at the School of Visual Arts. So Ross Kasovitz grew up around some of the most well-known photographers and artists for all of his life. Ross and I talk about how he came to take over the business, how he helped transform it, and how he is working to get the business back up and running after the shutdown. He has some great insight into how the shutdown and social distancing will affect the downstream art businesses, such as retailers, printers, and framers. We also talk about the impact on photo education and what happens with analog photography in the darkroom. And Ross tells a few amazing stories from his family's relationships with some of K&M's legendary customers, including one very funny story about Joel Sternfeld. Okay, so before we get to the show, I just have a few announcements. First and foremost, our good friend Patrice Helmar of Marble Hill Camera Club is looking to rent her room, her finished room in Ridgewood, Queens, uh, for the summer starting June 1st. She is, of course, like many other artists right now, between jobs and uh, could use the help. So if you're looking for a nice place in New York City or you know someone who is, uh, send her a DM on her Instagram account at Patrice Helmar, all one word, and uh, help her out because you know she has helped a lot of other people out by giving them a platform and a space to show their work. The second announcement I'd like to make is my old partner, Kai McBride, who has moved out to the Southwest, uh, has started his own show. It's called Kai's Photo Topic. It's actually a live show that he does through Zoom, and you can find out more about that at his new website, Luna Karuna. Nope. <laughs> Lunacornua.com. L-U-N-A-C-O-R-N-U-A dot com. Lunacornua. Oh my God, I can't say it. Lunacornua. <laughs> anyway, it's a fantastic show that meets live on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Kai actually had Ross Kasovitz and Jeff Hirsch from PhotoCare on his show last Saturday. So you can check that out at lunacornua.com. All one word. Or you could just Google Kai's photo topic. And the last announcement I want to make is actually a way to help promote your students. So if you are a faculty member or you are in the business of education and you have contact with students who may have graduated this academic year, there is an organization called Photofica 2020 that was started by John Fryer, Betsy Schneider, and Ann Masoni. They are longtime members of the Society of Photographic Education and pretty well-known artists and professors as well. Uh, they started a platform called 2020 All-Stars, which allows students to submit their work and a short statement about themselves or about their work. And that work will be seen by various contributing art organizations and critics. Uh, basically, it is a way of providing these students with a kind of thesis exhibition that they did not get because of the shutdown. 
So that website is photofika.org, F-O-T-O-F-I-K-A dot O-R-G. And then just click on All Stars in the upper right-hand corner. And be sure to share this with your students quickly because the deadline is approaching. It's May 31st. All right, so here is my conversation with Ross Kasovitz. It was recorded over a video conference platform that everyone is using. Yes, it's Zoom. Uh, and uh, the sound quality isn't what you would normally expect when you listen to the show, but it just sounds like a phone call. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Thanks for uh, calling in. Thank you for having us on. So, of course, I uh, I spoke with your father on the show uh, a, a while back, and yeah. uh, Peter Kasovitz. You know, we back, you know we were just talking about the the history of the store, and he mentions you, and uh, and he mentions you taking over the store. When was that that you took over K and M Camera? Two thousand two. Yeah, so 17, 18, 19 years ago now, right? Yeah, and. I did a little uh, uh, digging around on the internet. You you would have just recently graduated college then, right? Yeah, I yeah, I was a I went to University of Wisconsin and I didn't do very much in school and <laughs> I decided to join the family business. You were and, a uh, a political science government major. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I studied political science and then um, I graduated after the World Trade Center. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was going to bring that up. You, you graduated two thousand one. Right, just yep. after nine eleven. Yep, I, I was supposed to go and study and take my GMATs and go to business school, and that ended up crashing. And I joined my father's business, and uh, it was a great business back then. I mean, film, paper, chemistry, dealt with a lot of creatives. Obviously, the nature of everything had changed starting then, right? So the photo industry had changed commercially. Film was no longer being used after like two thousand four and five. Luckily enough, my father my father had a great relationship with SVA. So um, some of the graduates of SVA at that moment were aspiring photographers that ended up shooting successfully for many years. Um, some of them were, you may know them. I don't know how long we kept in touch with SVA, but groupings of people from Clay McBride to Kareem Black. And they shot commercial portraiture, fashion, advertising, that kind of thing. It generally supported, we had two stores for a while, I think till my father, you probably asked my father, I don't know when he closed uh, his first store on 23rd Street, but closed probably in 2008 or 2010, hmm. I think, maybe 2012. I don't, I don't know exactly when it was, but that core customer base were very supportive of him. The art community was very supportive of him. My father's been in this business for so long. Everybody knows everybody. Exactly. As you know, like um, from the beatnik guys up to the new commercial guys. But luckily enough, we started renting equipment. And then the rental department was a transitional process. We went from working with artists, mostly, primarily people that use film, paper, and chemistry to commercial uses. So big lights and advertising, things like that. And we were able to do the transition fairly easy, you know, from digit from film to digital. And we grew over the years. We probably tripled, quadrupled in size over time. And now we have the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, which has set everything back and everyone back. Did you actually fully close down? We are fully closed down. We just, so we have a, we have a large rental department in 
Sunset Park, Brooklyn, where they do the commercial aspect of packaging up the rentals prior to production. That closed in March and beginning of March and remained closed. Now we are doing curbside pickup, hoping that some production industry will return. But New York has been extended out to June 15th now, I think, or 14th. So we don't expect that business to start up anytime soon. And we're trying to learn how this this is a once in a lifetime. And my father, unfortunately, did not experience this. He's experienced other kinds of recessions and economic downturns. But this is a special thing, especially to photography and the entertainment industry, because it's very hard for people now to see how they can do with social distancing. To, To create content in this market will be challenging. Yeah, I think that's we're seeing that a lot with uh, people trying to produce all kinds of shows from home and and sort of uh, stitch them together over different calls and and all and and yeah, you're right that it's very different. You know, obviously your your father was still running the business uh, around nine eleven and with the and and then you and your father during the big downturn in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, uh, but those were not those were not um, events that caused people to stop working so to speak, for long periods of time. Uh, and in fact, they, in some ways, inspired different kinds of production, other productions that kept going. So yep. this, this is very different. Just to uh, back up a little bit, uh, you said you're doing curbside. Is that that's at the, uh, the store in Manhattan? Yes, at, the, at both locations are open with curbside pickup and contactless pickup. And we can, you know, people are trying to support us. We've done some social media push to let people know and give them awareness that we're open. But Currently, it's very hard for New Yorkers specifically, I think is the last place it's going to open up. And it's very hard for people to get out right now and feel comfortable taking the metro and, you know, getting back to a little bit of normalcy in life. I don't know necessarily how they presume to make that happen. But I think, I mean, we've been challenged before and I think that we'll be, we'll be able to make it through this. So it's just what is the other side look like more? Yeah. All right. How much will business come back and when is the yeah. big question. And and then in terms of, um, you know, people being able to order online and things like that, are you gearing up for more of that? Yep. We, we've seen an uptick in orders. Luckily enough, we have a very strong internet presence. People have done in-store pickup, so they order online, they come in and pick it up, or they have been ordering on the rental website and then they just pick it up and they bring it out to people's cars and they open the back of their trunk. And we try to make it as seamless as possible, but you know, it's about consumer confidence. I think more than anything at this point, we're fully able to handle any requests people have. It's more now, will people get back to work? Um, and we're hoping that people get back to work as soon as, you know, the governor lets them really get back to doing business as they used to do business or in some capacity. Yeah, that's what we're all hoping. <laughs> right? That yeah. We can all do it and feel safe about doing it is really what we're all hoping for. For sure. Obviously, you know my father from for many years now. I mean, was every aspect of photography. He's been in the photo community his entire life. Uh, every great photographer that has existed, he's been in business since 1979. I mean, this challenge isn't going to necessarily put us down. It's just we'd like, you know, as much as the photo community can support us, uh, we, we're here to help them. Oh, exactly. And actually, on that point... You know, uh, your father was great friends with Robert Frank and and knew Roy DeCarva very well. Uh, and Roy was very good guy. Yeah, and yeah. so you would have grown up with these great photographers. As a child, 
And what was that yeah. like? And, and, you know, did you just see them as friends? Yeah. So it's interesting. Robert was more, yes. Robert was more, um, my father and Robert were very close. So he was like at Passover dinners and things of that nature. He was very, very promotional of, yes, normal life, as opposed to talking about photography and the photo community. But he was a great guy, obviously. And uh, I mean, him and my father had very, very close ties in terms of they had just a bond that was very strong. But my father's bond to the photo community is very unique in the fact that he truly understands specifically artists and artists very well. So they really, really, really not only like him as the business that he developed, but they actually like him as a person. So like Roy DiCaravra and them, I can tell you stories upon stories about <laughs> endless amounts of people that have come through from Roy DiCaravra, Allen Ginsberg, Robert Frank, Larry Clark. I mean, all the icons of, of the fine art photo community across the board. And I mean, everybody from, I'm literally, if you name Helen Levitt and Mary Ellen Mark and just, just amazing artists that have, you know, formed the way that I guess people recognize photo as an art. My father's been in it from the beginning and they call him every day. Danny Lyon still calls him today just to check in on him. My father, you know, when Larry Clark had a had back surgery. My father brought him soup every week. Like he, my father is just a very special guy in that way, and he very much he supports his friends. That's the that was that's the side of it that um, you know I think people uh, know and expect from your father. The other side that I always like to talk about is the way he's always treated students and helped students over the years yeah. and supported students and bought prints and and I I've mentioned this I mentioned this on the show that you know he was on he he actually floated me some film when I went to the Middle East and let me pay it off when I came back and he's just been an amazing figure for everyone yeah that's a very sad part of this whole process right is that education was a big aspect to our business and what we did and we don't know where education is going to be coming in the next year or two so that is very interesting to see if there will be a new group of young artists especially since you know, ICP just moved their dark rooms. I, I, I'm, you know, if you look at the landscape of the at least New York photo community, it's very weird. It's a tangible process, right? You go in a dark room. There's a romanticism to it, and I, I mean, now in today's age, can you can you experience that right now? I don't, I don't know how they how they're going to implement that. I don't either. I mean, you know, we offer black and white uh, photo and studio photo in the fall at at Mercer and. I have no I don't know how that could possibly work without some access to the darkroom in the studio. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah, we're all thinking about that right now. Uh, I you know, if I have to push it off till spring, I'll do that, but a lot of um, I know a lot of uh, uh, professors are talking about, you know, turning it into this kind of alternative process class, but I don't think that's enough. I mean, I, I still think, you know, students have to get in there and they have to process their film and they have to make those prints. Interestingly enough, prior to the pandemic huge growth mechanism in oh, that we saw amongst students was that they were retracting back to film photography and they were knowledgeable on digital photography and some of them it just starts obviously i've been in the business now for 15 20 years but it just became generationally because i grew up with film paper and chemistry so it's a little different for me to understand it but for them, it is such a novel new experience, and it's sort of really sad because they 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 never they only had iPhones, so they never really experienced photography. And you know, the challenge for them will be you know hopefully stores like us are around so that you know they can actually learn about photography in some capacity and where the medium came from. 
I don't, when they come in, they're inspired to buy film cameras because they've never touched them. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about is if, let's say, we, um, we shut down again, the biggest problem I had this semester has been getting, we, we loan our students a lot of cameras uh, for the semester. Gotcha. And the biggest problem has, of course, been getting them back <laughs> in a, a way, yeah. in a no contact way that our, our college wants to do. And that's been a, a big deal. And I'm, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about in terms of stores like yours, where where there are rentals, is if if a, a camera stores could become points of loans, right? Where students students rent, uh, you know, through through the college. The college comes up with a deal with a store, and they rent through the store, and 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 you could handle shipping, you know, to the to and from the student as some sort of a a system. Idea. That's a very smart idea. I mean, we're, we're already experiencing it where we're trying to figure out. So when you look at a commercial photo shoot, the first thing that you want to question is, right, how do you have the person that takes that, that camera, they put it up to their face, right? And the assistants have to integrate, have to interact with that, that system. So how do you create a level of making sure that everybody's secure on, on the job during the production of a photo shoot? And it's pretty much the same, same relevance to it for whether it's a school or a person that's coming in. The cameras are meant to be touched and felt and interacted with and learned about. And it's a very unique thing because specific to this industry, no different than other industries that require large groups kind of getting together and being creative. It's very hard to see right now how you can do it freely the same way you previously could have. No, that's right. Uh, it's it, everything has changed so much with uh, instruction and and there is a there's definitely a, a how are you going to teach? So how do you my my plan is to have some some partial access to the lab so that we can uh, at least check out some equipment and then do most of the technical instructions remotely through zoom you know online all those things but have small group visits to the lab you know where we can do maybe me yeah. and, with four students at a time or something like that you know it, it, and it all yeah. comes down to what the state uh mandates and of course what the college wants to do as well and what we're capable of doing in terms of students feeling safe and all those things sure and then the zoom inter the, the zoom experience is the zoom experience Technically, do you, does it feel different or is the experience different in terms of how somebody learns in the darkroom? Yeah, so what we're all going through is is trying to determine how much synchronous learning to do online, how much asynchronous teaching to do online. Yeah. And I'm finding my students really like the synchronous meetings where we're all together on Zoom and everyone can have a conversation. And we're, you know, we're getting used to it. It's, it's clearly not the same. And of course, I haven't done it from yeah. scratch because we started with the college open and then we shut down. So people had time yeah. to build up some, bond, did some bonding in the classroom. So this semester might be the first time, actually this summer will be the first time where I do it, where I start remotely. And others have done it. I mean, we've had on, online learning for, for a long time now, but um, this will be the first, I want, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if students can bond if we don't meet physically uh, at the college in a similar, you know, in, in a constructive way, in a useful way. It's interesting. Like you're probably going to explain to your students, you're going to want them to go look at galleries, right? So we work a lot with large, with large print houses and things of that nature that 
it's all it's all it commingled everything we're the pre-production side of everything but photo is a business upon itself it's not just it's not just the creative side of it so you know i spoke to one of the larger print labs that exists in new york that had you know they do printing and mounting and they you know they've worked with every famous artist in the book like every blue chip artist from uh, that can name you the same names you know marina abramovich and they uh, you know sujimoto and all these great artists and i ask how do you how do you see how do you see your business operating right because that's that's a large scale dark room for all intents and purposes and you know, he was very honest in saying that he felt that the business will change and that galleries will have to change and they'll become more about art fairs. And when you look at the, the way things are transitioning, nobody really knows, right? You know, so, so there's cultural epicenters of how people work, but these things are built on people being around each other in human interaction. And this is pretty much the other side of it, right? This is about being virtual. And so it's really hard for me to see where the photo community will land. I'm positive that there will be new creative measures that will be creative and there will be new ways that people work and there will be new ways that people understand. But film photography and darkroom photography and fine art photography is built on the premise of interaction analog and darkroom. So it's the complete opposite of what this pandemic is praise <laughs> is predicated upon, which is social distancing and right. Yeah. I you know, I'm still seeing some good film photography being done with those who have their own means and darkroom and everything else. And you know, if there were I know there are these little home film processing kits that are sold and they're kind of pricey yeah. and expensive, but they you know, they if if this continues and who knows, uh I think what we need are more affordable home darkroom kits, and you know, but That's very smart, yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't. How do you? Yeah, then, then there's the enlarging part of it. You know, I mean, so much, so how much to think about. Yeah, how do you produce the image? How do you create the content? Yeah, but I mean, traditionally, my father has. You know, he. My father came to this country. He came with very little. Started his life. He did. He can't. He his. He started this business with a person that knew how to repair cameras. That was Maruma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, my father saved his money, started a business, built it from from nothing, and he's very confident that Americans are going to come out of this just as strong as they went into it. And we're pretty confident that we're going to get support from the community, as you guys have tried to do, and support us in some capacity. And we're going to come out on the other side different, but they're going to they're going to be better. People adapt. I know my students are are you know just waiting to get back into that dark room. So you know I I you know because their their semester got cut short, I yeah. promised them that uh, as soon as we open, they you know they have complete uh, open access to the dark room, even if they're not in a photo class. <laughs> you know, so they can catch up uh, on all that work. What do you, how do you see the your student base career wise? Oh yeah, that. So most of my, I'm, I teach at a two-year college, a community college. So most of my students will transfer, um, and I, you know, I've transferred quite a few students to SVA, School of Visual Arts, and some of them are there for sort of um, just some training, like a certification kind of training, where they they just want some, the skills, and they will start their own businesses. Uh, one of the things that um, is is a bit um, 
uh, I don't know, recession proof is portraiture and weddings and things like that. So a lot of my students do that kind of work when they're done. That's great. I mean, hopefully we can get events going again. Right. So like the wedding, wedding events, you know, so that's going to be a, that's going to be a challenge at the beginning when they get out of school. Absolutely. Um, You know, there's going to be, there's going to be ways they're going to have to adapt. You know, cinematography, it plays a large role in photography now. So hopefully, you know, most, most people are going to learn how to use video in some, in some segment of their photo based career. And, you know, I think that, I think that at some point, you know, less is going to be more. A lot of my father's, you know, friends from a long time ago, they, they struggled, you know, for a very long time and they worked really hard to build these great careers. And, you know, I think that artists are, 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 they're resilient and they're going to work through these, these struggles. They're very passionate about their art. So, right. I'm, I have a belief system that it's going to work, that, that things are going to work out for most of them. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them are, are, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, how they make work in isolation right now and how they make work from their cars and how they, you know, how they make work for them with social distancing. And that's what they're doing right now. I have, I have some, you know, some of my former students are just making different things at home right now. And they, you know, they're figuring out how to stay creative. For sure. And that's important that they have to stay creative. Yeah. So in, in some lighter news, you, you recently got married, right? That was uh, about 2017. Yeah, 2017. I got married to my beautiful wife, Jessica. Jessica. Yep. We have a two-year-old child together. Um, her name is Yara. Oh uh, yes! Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Do you have children? I have two, twelve and eight. They're old enough to know what's going on, I guess. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, sitting at home and homeschooling and missing their friends and all. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. It's a, that's probably challenging at this point for them. Yeah. You know, they, um, because they're kids and they're so resilient, you know, they, you know, they're finding their own ways to have fun. They're, they're actually getting along pretty well. I have to admit <laughs> for, for being cooped up together. I mean, they, they will, they will fight hard, but a, a boy and girl. Yes. Yeah. My son is 12 and my daughter is eight, soon to be 13 and nine. And, um, I think it seeps into, their subconscious and their behavior in that way, right? Ways they may not fully understand, you know, like lately my daughter's been, you know, wanting to jump into our bed at night because she feels a little insecure, you know, and I think that's a, a subconscious reaction to what's going on. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, some of my father, my father has a friend who's an artist. He takes, he, he shoots horses. He was friends with Robert as well. He's in his eighties, very resilient man. And he, um, He's a, he's a lawyer by trade, and he always used to say he always used to say something very interesting. He always used to like reference the fact that you're not a depression baby, and it's there's an iron there's an irony in that because he because he used to always you know reflect on the fact of you know how my my father's personality where he came from and and how he's how he's brought up and you know being a depression baby of it and it's interesting because some of us have children now that are going to be unfortunately, of a depression, right? So it's, you know, it happens once every hundred years, but, you know, our children, our children are going to experience a very unique time in history. Yeah. And hopefully yep. when we get this, I'll be referencing those same lines. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, I, I saw it with my students after 2001. I could see the the work. Yep. There's a, There was some darkness in the work, some isolation in the work that was coming through after that. Uh, artists have always also turned to abstraction after big events, big tumultuous events. And I saw a lot more of that work as well. Wow. 
that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Abstraction's always been the kind of rejection of the political norms, I think. And well, I, I don't think that's what scholars say, but <laughs> but and I saw more of that. I definitely saw more of that. Who inspires you, Michael? What photographers inspire you? So I kind of had two stages of influence, I would call it. When I was an undergrad at the School of Visual Arts, I was much more into photojournalism. And that's actually why I wanted to go to the Middle East uh, that I talked about earlier. And so at that time, my biggest influence was Susan Mizellis. And then as I turned more towards fine art documentary style photography, I got really into Joel Sternfeld. And that is why I shoot color to this day. And then after SVA, I guess that's sort of stage two, uh, I met Tom Roma through some friends of mine. And then he introduced me to, sometimes literally, Gary Winogrand, Helen Levitt, Roy DeCarava, Mary Ellen Mark, and of course, Lee Friedlander. I have a great Joel Sternfeld story. Do you? Let's hear it. <laughs> Joel Sternfeld, like in the early 2000s, I would say. So it's when digital started. And Joel's very interesting. He's, he's very smart. He, uh, he, I had probably just started maybe it was three, five years into the business. And I was, uh, I was not fully knowledgeable on the, all photographers' places in history. So I didn't really have a full understanding of it, right? I, was, I studied political science and I, I was brought up in New York, but I wasn't fully entrenched in my father's business in that degree. So these names like Joel Sternfeld or Lee Friedland or all of them, they were... They were names to me growing up. They weren't historical names to me the way they are now and the way I reflect on it now. So he, he's obviously a, a great, great artist. And he shopped when he lived in the Tribeca neighborhood, which is when my father opened his second store downtown, right? And I got into the business. It was about five blocks from us. So he had a full-time assistant. And that full-time assistant would come in regularly with his, he had a corporate account and he would buy his regular supplies. So I guess the the transitional process from photography from film to digital started to happen, and most of the people that were working in the store, maybe this was in the late 2000, 2008, 2009, most of them were already starting to transition completely to digital, and none of them really had a full understanding of darkroom supplies that Joel regularly used. Uh, and then, so he decided to send this assistant in, and he sent the assistant in to buy Focusol and put it on his account. And none of the people knew what Focusol was. <laughs> and so then he, he, put, he, said, he said, told the assistant to ask, ask for me and that he needed Focusol to be in stock. And then they, the people that worked here asked him, what is Focusol? And the assistant said, how don't you know what Focusol is? Focusol is the developer that brings your pictures into focus. <laughs> and he, <laughs> so, he, so, so they all didn't know what Focusol was, but they wanted to order folks so clearly for <laughs> Joel because he was a good account. <laughs> and and then I had to I had to explain there's no such thing as focus all, but it was a great line, right? So his assistant turned over and there was a younger person that became his assistant. So I put on the shelf a, a bottle with a clear label for the Kodak area that was enabled focus all in Oh a my god. And, and 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 the assistant, new assistant came in a few times and then the new assistant came in and I said actually you forgot he's, there was a special order for Joel for Focusol. And I said, you know what Focusol does? And they said, <laughs> I don't. And I said, yeah, it brings all of your pictures into focus. They said, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it to him and he, he laughed. But it was very funny. It was during the transition of the digital film to digital. Era. Oh, yeah. That's great. So you, did you send the yeah. assistant back with fo a bottle of Focusol? <laughs> yeah. And Joel called and he laughed. He said that was a good one. <laughs> 
Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I've tried to get Joel on the show. I've even told him that he's the reason why I shoot color film, but he just won't do it. That's amazing. No, he's incredible. And you know what's interesting? He he has a lot of inspiration from Robert Frank. It's very interesting to speak to people because when you speak to them, you you really identify like, since people are very candid with my father or I at this point because we're the supply guys, right? So they can be very open with the supply guys about many things that you wouldn't be you know, in the fine art community necessarily. So right. it's a little different. You don't have it's to worry about in- insulting the supply guys or saying the wrong thing with the supply guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't ever feel that way, especially with the supply guys. And the supply guys, interestingly enough, are so heavily rooted in the photo community that, you know, you can't... My father, my father, for all intents and purposes, is an institution. I mean, I can name you hours of stories that if you wrote a book, like my father's life experiences an Israeli cab driver that came to New York that hey, became best friends with Robert Frank. Alan, and people know, you know, he, I remember him having lunch with Peter Orlovsky and Alan Ginsberg on a regular basis. I mean, you, you couldn't make those stories up, right? Cause those are really, their influence in the world is really, I mean, just everybody, you know, you can name them Lee Friedlander. I can't yeah. even, I, I, I books and books and books, Danny line. I just, the you know people that have documented America forever, I just Eugene Richards and I don't know, just it's it's incredible. Elliot Irwin, I, they just all know my father. You know he is. It's it's I don't know. It's just it's changed the world. The world has changed a lot, but my father is definitely a person that has been in the a steadfast person in the photo industry forever. I can name you amazing stories, but it could take hours and hours. Yeah, you know I, that. Well, I think I think that book needs to be made. <laughs> you know, well, I, 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 I mean, there's, there's, there's one, there's one incredible story. Like, they, it's just funny. So I was having like I was having dinner for a friend in, in on Houston Street, and, and there was randomly uh, Richard Branson had his book signing, and he was next sitting next to us. And I was with a group of random people that are not in photography, and. This guy, you know, Rand, Richard Branson was having his book signing for the book he had come out with. So people were having the signed book at the restaurant somehow to the right of us. And one of the people that came in was the guy who took the picture of um, Biggie Smalls with a with the king hat on the side. Yeah, you know, yeah. I know the picture. Yeah. His name's Baron Claiborne. And he's he's, you know, he's an old school hip hop artist that shot every you know music poster. And so he comes and sits down and everybody goes out and they say, you know, they're all trying to get their sign. Hold on one sec. Well, if you Sorry, wanted uh, any proof uh, that k is well, now open oh, again, here it is. I, I just need to measure the distance between the hustle block and the lens for the digital back. They need a cord that's long enough to... Oh, to sink it? We'll like to measure it. Okay, it's in the room. Somebody's actually shooting. Yeah, Somebody that's great. Job. Yeah. Some business. Uh, fashion, a fashion photographer, a very famous fashion photographer shooting with a long 350 millimeter lens with a digital back. Oh, that's why you need the measurement. <laughs> yeah, he needs to measure to see if the sync cord can fit from the digital back because it's 350 millimeters, the yeah. old Hasselblad's, you know, lenses, the V-mount, and he needs to see if it can if it can go from um, the front to back. It's like whatever, let's say 12 inches or so. Right. <laughs> so you were talking about Baron Claiborne who took the Biggie Smalls photo. I'm going to finish it for you. Hold on, I'll tell you because it's very incredible. So him and I aren't, great great friends but he has shopped with k&m he let's say he's 50 60 now he has shopped with k&m his entire career 
So let's say I'm within a, a foot or two feet, whatever, of Richard Branson sitting at the table next to us having all these things signed. So the photographer comes in and he sees me and I say, and we say hello and he sits down at my table where he doesn't know anybody that has anything to do with photography. And he starts explaining his life story and he starts explaining basically how he interacted with my father and why he shops at K&M. And he explained the same story you did. And he was a struggling artist living in New York with no money. Um, my father gave him some film and some paper to produce some work. Hmm. That work helped him get on his feet. That's why he supports K&M to this day. And ironically, then he, you know, he's like, and I came to, to have the book signed by Richard Branson. And then he's like, so Richard Branson sees him because he's sitting next to me and he gives him a big hug. And he's like, I haven't seen you in forever, blah, blah, blah. And he starts telling Richard Branson this story about how my father has helped this, you know, because this, that's how they generally do it. And it really shows when you talk about it, it K&M is, is really a reflection of my father, I guess, is what I'm trying to explain as a story. Yeah. And it's not about like what K&M can do or what K&M can't do. For most of you guys, including yourself, Michael, every story you guys come up with and every story you do, you're really all just trying to support my father. And a lot of it is his story and what what it means and what it means to the photo community. And for most people, a lot of people believe that's going to make it through, you know, and that will that's probably what will happen because I think the photo community will be there to support him at the end. Yeah, it's community and legacy and and yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's a way of uh, that is a, a connection that you have with history, really. Absolutely. Well, let's do this. When we when we all open up, <laughs> how about yeah. I, I come in with some microphones with you and your dad and we get we get some of those stories recorded. I want to hear more of them. I, I agree. I think, you, I mean, he really, he doesn't say enough of them, but his stories are incredible. I, I can't even explain how. They're just not believable. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great, great fashion photographer that, came to New York and my father regularly went to dinner with Robert and the fashion photographer, who's one of the most famous photographers in the world was supposed to see Robert because he had taken a course or something with him. And my father had a hatchback pickup truck. So <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had this truck that had, you know, with the hatchback on the back. And like a, like a he, cap or you cap, like a cap yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. on the pickup truck. Right. I had one. And yeah. he, back up and you only have like let's say three or four feet right in, in, in inside of it or whatever you know and he had that my father had that for a while that car so he went to take Robert to dinner and Robert said that he had a friend in town that was going to go to dinner with them as well if I was like sure you can get in the car as long as you can fit in the hatchback <laughs> <laughs> so so he, but he's like okay we got to go pick him up and he was staying at one of the fancier hotels like the Soho Grand or the Tribeca Grand one of them and he was a well put together fashion photographer. And he goes and he says, well, unfortunately, you got, you're, you're coming to dinner with us, you got to get the back. <laughs> this is the guy that was probably not accustomed to getting the back no. of the hatchback. <laughs> that, was not the that was not the getting in the back of the car experience he was used to. <laughs> exactly. So, but he did so. My father said, this guy's amazing. And I can't, I can't even, if I, if I told you all the stories that from my father's side, you yeah. would be enamored with the, there would be you could have days of them i mean days yeah. and days of them. well I, I say we do it we uh we record as much as we can uh, so and I'll, I'll come visit when we're all open yeah absolutely that'd be amazing all right well thank you very much and of course good luck 
and we're all going to do what we can to throw business your way. Yeah, if anybody if anybody needs anything, please give us a call. We're open from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Absolutely. We're here now. All right. Great talking Thanks with you. Thanks for all the support, Michael. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. My pleasure, and, and yeah, I, I'm happy to do so. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, we'll talk soon. Speak later. All right, bye. bye. Go find figure out that Hasselblad. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> all right, bye. Okay.